0: Hello and welcome to the Outside and Active podcast. I'm your host Matt Coyne and on this week's episode we talk to London Marathon nutritionist Anita Bean. At the time of recording we were 18 weeks out for the marathon. Now with about 10 weeks to go we talk to Anita about the different stages of training specifically around nutrition and diet on the lead up to a major event. Not solely for marathon runners, we could all learn from Anita's knowledge shared on what's good and what's not so good for us as you train for any type of physically demanding endurance event. We break down the different stages of an event, from what to eat and what not to eat, pre-event, during the race, and post-event as well. Before we dive into the chat, here's a quick word from our season partners, Dryrobe. Thank you to our awesome partners at Dryrobe for supporting us this season. Dryrobe are the original outdoor change robe company, designed to let you get changed anywhere. The Dryrobe Advance is an essential piece of kit for outdoor adventurers who need to stay protected from the elements. The Dry Robe Advance is like having your own portable change room where the oversized design gives you plenty of space to get changed into and out of your sports gear. Versatile enough to be worn as a jacket on those chilly race mornings or sitting by the campfire in those barbecue evenings. Made from 100% recycled fabrics, the waterproof and windproof outer protects you from the elements whilst the super warm lining will keep you toasty pre- or post-run. From surfing, wild swimming to triathlon, paddleboarding or even walking your dog in torrential rain, the Dry Robe Advance is for everyone. To find out more, head over to dryrobe.com. Now, back to the episode. Okay, so uh, welcome to the Outside and Active podcast. My name is Matt Coyne, and today I'm joined by Anita Bean.
1: Hello, I'm very happy to be here, so thanks for inviting me.
0: No problem at all. I'm keen to talk to you because I don't ever get it right, as I'm sure this is probably the same conversation everyone else has with you as well, but nutrition um, its what you're obviously experienced in. Um, And there's probably a a minefield of things that we could talk about. But I know that you're also the nutritionist for London Marathon. Mm. So maybe we could talk a little bit about, you know, I think it's, uh, I want to say 18 weeks or something like that to the marathon Mm. now. Um, Maybe we could kind of go in a couple stages building up to the marathon, what people could think about or some some top tips for people starting to train, starting to think about nutrition. Mm So, you know, day one, What should you be looking at? Yeah,
1: I mean, now is actually the perfect time to start looking more closely at your diet. Um, And that will um, just allow you really to get more out of your training and to, to, to get those training adaptations as the weeks go by. So probably the most important thing to look at in your diet to start with is the amount of processed, we call them actually ultra processed foods in your diet, Um, And we're talking about not just the obvious things like cakes and chocolates Mm -hmm. and ready meals, but also foods that are marketed as healthy, like breakfast cereals, even bread that comes in plastic, bags, sliced bread, cereal bars, and even sports nutrition products like gels. So these are all classed as ultra-processed foods. Um, And you might think that you're not having that many, but actually when you start to look around your kitchen, you might be quite surprised that a lot of foods... um, that have been mass-produced, that come from factories. They all count as ultra-processed foods. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem with these foods is that they can affect your body and your brain in a different way compared to whole foods and more natural and unprocessed foods. So what they can do, if they form a substantial part of your diet, and actually the it's an extraordinary statistic, the average person gets 57% of their energy from these ultra-processed foods. Wow. And actually one in five people gets 80% of their energy from these foods. So um, they are a problem in these sort of amounts because they affect uh, the way your, your, your brain acts. They almost have a sort of an addictive effect on the brain and that's been measured actually in scientific studies um, but they can affect your body and we know that in the long term they can lead to weight gain, mm-hmm. they can <clears throat> lead to cravings, they can lead to health problems, you're more likely to suffer chronic um, health problems like heart disease, mm-hmm. high blood pressure, high blood cholesterols and so on and definitely affects your ability to train and to recover, so the first thing you really need to do is to take an honest look at the amount of processed foods in your diet and <clears throat> think about how you can start to switch how you can at least minimize or limit these foods i 'm not saying you 've got to cut them out but at yeah. least start limiting processed foods and moving towards more for whole food diet and, and introducing more more plant foods into your diet that will definitely be beneficial. <clears throat> for any runner, both for your performance and your energy levels and your ability to recover and get your body ready for the next workout.
0: Well, and what's a good way to sort of, I, mean, I guess there's two parts to this. What's a good way to measure it? But also, like you said, you know, if you suddenly cut everything off, you know, your mm-hmm. first week you might be on that go get attitude of like, we can do this, but then you're going to crash quite hard because you've missed those cravings that you've suddenly, you know, stopped. So, Two parts to that. First, how do do they measure it? Is it a case of literally, you know, I'm going to put out on the counter everything I ate today? Or how can they start to sort of, how can people start to see?
1: Yeah, I just say to people, um, just have an awareness. Every time you you eat your food, have an awareness. Has this come from a packet? Is this perhaps something I could have done better? Um, But the best way really to to, to plan each meal is to ensure that you've got um, some fruit and vegetables in there. Yeah, every evening breakfast so every mm-hmm. single meal about a third of your plate should comprise fruit and vegetables mm-hmm. um, and ideally we should try to get five portions of different fruit and veg per day mm-hmm. Um, and the latest evidence shows that we should actually try to get 30 different varieties of plant foods over the course of a week, okay. not per day. Yeah, I was going to say, that's <laughs> that would, a no, that plant-based, that but that's a challenge. Thing, yeah, there's no way I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but over the course of weeks, are 30 different plant foods. Um, and the, the, the second thing you do in your meal is to ensure that you've got um, a good source of protein. Um, and nowadays, we know that having a, a better variety, a wider variety of proteins... Is really beneficial. So trying to include more plant proteins rather than animal proteins. They're anti inflammatory, so it's really, really good for recovery after your runs so we're talking about beans lentils chickpeas Mm -hmm. um we're talking about nuts and seeds all these things are really brilliant sources of of plant proteins that supply not just protein but also you're getting the fiber you're getting a a wider variety of nutrients and antioxidants as well which is really beneficial for muscle recovery and the third thing is obviously your carbohydrate obviously carbohydrate that's a major fuel for runners so <clears throat> for, for, for running and for, for your muscles. So, um, whole, really, it's, it's the whole food carbohydrates that you want to be looking at. So that means oats, it means pasta, rice, potatoes, and sweet potatoes, um, rather than processed carbohydrates. Um, so those are the three main components and, and if you can add some unsaturated fats in the form of nuts and seeds, avocados, olive oil, then you've really got your perfect meal. So that would really be your, your starting point is to look at planning really balanced meals yeah. and to become being really more aware of the amount of processed versus unprocessed foods in your diet.
0: It's really helpful. And then, so I guess, you know, we've kind of, at the start, we know we've got to start planning, we're going to start looking, almost reviewing mm. before we move forward. So mm. as we get into kind of maybe midway through the cycle before before your next event, um, and then at what point do they sort of start, you know, realising actually what works for them? Because obviously things mm. affect different people in terms of the gut. Especially if you're out on your long early morning runs and things, runners notice it. Definitely. So, how how do they test that, for use of a better word? How do they? they Well, you're
1: you are absolutely right that um, everybody's different. So, different foods work for different people, particularly during your long runs. So, any run that you're doing that's longer than 90 minutes, um, it's a good idea to consume. Carb and you need to take on board some carbs during your run. But of course, that can result in gut problems, particularly on those long runs. So, mm. we're talking about when you're running more than 10 yeah. miles yeah. or so. And that's really common. In fact, up to 70% of runners can experience at least one gut symptom at some point during their training or during a race so the best thing to do is, is is trial and error and so you know there isn't a specific food that you should or should not consume during running so you want to have you know simple carbs and it's best to have. A, i suppose before that you ensure that your meal is quite simple so the focus will be on carbs but not too much um you want to have a little bit of protein in there and then the idea is that you'll get sustained energy But when it comes to choosing exactly which foods to consume during your run, it is really individual. So different foods suit different people. So you could try whole foods like bananas, dried fruit. Me personally, I find that medjool dates really agree Mm -hmm. with me. I will often have a medjool date or two before a run or during a run. Um, Other people might find uh, more processed carbs, like jelly babies or even energy gels or energy drinks might suit them. (laughs) Other people can't stand them. We find that they can actually, they're too concentrated in carbohydrates and that in itself can trigger gut symptoms and make them feel really uncomfortable. So try different things. um, And as you build up, you know, the, the, your distances and you add more miles to your, your weekly schedule mm. you might find that you'll need to take um more food you know i I should take food in a, in a running belt so um you know gels might work for you but you yeah. might find that things also change as you add those miles on and mm. you need to have more food but the i suppose the main principles are is to start refueling relatively early because if you leave it too late um you're actually more likely to experience gut problems because by then the gut starts to close down. You've got so much of your blood supply that's diverted to your muscles mm-hmm. and there's not much left there to be concerned with digestion. And So the gut really changes quite measurably its motility. Mm-hmm. And so um, if you don't allow it to get to that stage, in other words you start fueling fairly early on, about 30 to 45 minutes into your run, then you'll kind of keep some of that blood supply in the digestive tract. So I think that's, you know, that's a really good tip. And then secondly, um, if you consume something roughly every 30 minutes, so it's kind of a little and often approach, And again, you don't need to be ultra dogmatic. It isn't a perfect time interval. So if you're running fast, that time interval will be much smaller. But if if you're running quite slowly, you might find perhaps only once every 45 minutes or longer might suit you. If you're doing an ultra, you might find once an hour, which would be about right. Slow
0: down a little bit, as it were. Yes. Yeah. And you you mentioned, we talked about it on the the way to start this recording, but that running on empty that you just sort of mentioned. Mm. And it's... I think a lot of my friends do that. Um, mm. I can uh, I can understand it on maybe like a short run. You know, they've woken up and they're doing the five k, and you know, off they go. But anything longer than that, that must have a sort of greater effect on on your on your body, on your sort of mental and physical function.
1: Right? Yeah, I mean, there may be a number of reasons why people are running on empty. First, because they want to avoid getting any gut symptoms mm. as a consequence of consuming carbs during that, or maybe they're trying to. to simulate those latter stages of, say, a marathon or an ultramarathon when you you will be quite depleted, you have low glycogen stores. What some ultra runners and long-distance runners try to do is by certainly running low-carb, the idea is that you can kind of train your body, train your muscles to burn more fat and rely less on glycogen. But the main problem there is that you could end up really... Underfueling, and so exercise feels much harder. And over time, actually, if you do that for every single run, so always, always running low, you actually lose the ability to break down carbohydrate at high running intensities. So you're okay. literally knocking out your top end performance. So when it comes to a race where you need to say sprint or you need to overtake somebody or you need to go up a hill, yeah, um, you lose that ability. To to burn carbohydrate, you need carbs for to have high the extra intensity. Yeah,
0: gas basically. I yeah, guess.
1: so you're knocking at, you're losing that that fifth gear. Um, the other thing that can happen is that you can make yourself more prone to illness and injury, mm-hmm. because um, running low actually imposes a lot of stress on the body. You know, your cortisol levels will go higher if you are running low, and so over time, if you're doing that over and over, and you're, you're not sort of able to to fuel your runs properly, then that can lead to an increased... Um, susceptibility to illness, infection, yeah. and even muscle breakdown. I mean, that's the last thing you want to do is to start losing muscle because then you'll lose strength and yeah. make yourself more injury-prone. So running low is something that I definitely would approach with caution. The odd, the odd low-carb run, I think, is, is fine. You may yeah. achieve greater adaptations that way. But doing it over and over is not really a strategy right. that I would
0: recommend. Yeah, very sensible okay so we've got you know we've gone from the start you're doing a plan um midway through you're kind of adjusting to then see what works for you as you build up to race day mm-hmm. morning of race day everyone's say everyone most people are a little bit stressed a little bit nervous a mm-hmm. little bit excited whatever the thing might be um and they'll maybe hopefully have a plan of what they're eating and depending what distances they're doing but say the marathon as an example how I mean, is it different for everyone? How early should they be eating before, say, that gun goes? And maybe just some ideas of what what people should be thinking about to put in the stores before the gun goes.
1: Okay, so on the day of the event, um, the ideal situation is to have your your pre-run breakfast about three or four hours before start time um, always stick to what you're used to so don't change anything if you normally have porridge on race day then stick to porridge so if you always have porridge I mean before a training run yeah you should do the same thing on race day so you don't want to try anything new in case that triggers mm-hmm. unexpected symptoms um, so uh, ideally if you can allow a gap of three to four hours that will ensure that most of the food gets Digested, you might need to, to perhaps reduce the quantities a little bit if you're feeling nervous. Because basically, what happens then is that everything slows down, it will take okay. you longer than normal to digest your normal size breakfast because
0: of the nerves.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah. When your adrenaline levels are yeah. high, um, <clears throat> that changes the motility of mm-hmm. your digestive tract. Um, and then when you get to start line, so generally you probably arrive a good hour or so beforehand. If you're feeling a little bit empty, a little bit peckish, take something with you. So it could be a gel, it could be a banana, it could mm. be a bar, perhaps, you know, it's just or some a little bite of fruit.
0: or something like that.
1: Yeah, and that will just help to just to top up your blood sugar levels, okay? It's not going to go into glycogen storage, you should have already done that a yeah. couple of days beforehand, but that will just help to stabilize your blood sugar levels. But having said that, if you really don't feel hungry at all, then don't force yourself to eat at that point. But of course, once you get going, once you start running, then really listen quite carefully to your body. Make sure you do start fueling after about 45 minutes or so and don't wait until you hit the wall. Don't wait until you're exhausted and you just can't keep going any longer because at which point if you then try and consume carbs in liquid or solid form – it's probably going to come straight back out afterwards. Yeah, so you want don't to, want that all over no. the right?
0: <laughs> Yeah, okay. <clears throat> and then, you know, I guess immediately afterwards, like for me, depending on what distance you're doing, but I my go-to is saurine for a quick snack. But mm-hmm. I always have something in my pack that almost almost the minute I've crossed that line, I've got something. I don't know if that's mental. I don't know if that's, a, you know, the body craving yeah. something. but. Like what's what's the best plan for after after your event?
1: Yeah, for afterwards. Um, yeah, strangely, um, most marathon runners will find that they are actually not that hungry straight away because you know you've you've had a lot of adrenaline going, and you know I suppose if you fueled properly during the event, you may or may not <laughs> feel properly during the event. Um, you, you know, you, you that that you don't experience that natural hunger, um, but some people do. So again, it's really a very individual thing. Um, I mean, physiologically, yes, you have built up an energy deficit, and obviously, the sooner you start putting the fuel, i.e., the carbs, back into your body, then the more, the, you know, the quicker your recovery is going to be. You're going to be able to walk around more easily, and you're probably going to sort of feel a lot better the next day. So, you do need to start getting those carbs in, and perhaps the easiest way for most people to achieve that is in liquid form. So yeah. either in the form of a sports drink or, or a, or a recovery drink. Um, and then, uh, but simple carbs, you've, you said a, a malt loaf is, yeah. it's a real favorite or fruitcake, um, Banana cake, all those kinds of... Something that really appeals to you. A treat, sort of. Yeah, and especially if you're not actually feeling that <laughs> hungry, you want something that's really tempting and really tasty. Um, and yeah, there is a psychological component. I mean, it's almost like it is that literal carrot hanging yeah. there at the end of the race, race. So some people say, oh, I look forward to having... My favorite chocolate bar, or whatever it is at the end of the race that that can help to keep you motivated, but um, you know the ideal situation you want to get the carbs back in, you want to get a little bit of protein as yeah. well um, because that will help to uh, with the, the recovery process to repair your muscles that you've, you've torn apart <laughs> and yeah. destroyed during, during the race. Um, and fluid is, is really, really critical yeah. because you will have built up a, a fluid deficit no matter how carefully you've tried to follow a drinking plan, sure. but you will have a deficit and you've really got to rehydrate and, and uh, restore fluid levels
0: and through fluid i mean is it just a case of let's drink some water or is it do we need to get some electrolytes in there or is a sports energy drink obviously things work for different people but
1: yeah okay so you won't be able to to rehydrate in one go so little and often is the best it's got to happen over a period of time um that's much more effective Rehydration strategy. Um, you've got two options. You can either have water plus food. Ideally, something a little bit salty. So it could be a sandwich that's got um, Marmite in it, yeah. for example. Um, so you've got some some sodium going in there, and the sodium helps the body to retain the fluid So you will get you know the best rehydration effect um or you can have a sports drink and you know sports drinks means that it's got sodium added so you can make it yourself if yeah. you want to save money or a commercial sports drink and basically what that does it just maximizes fluid retention and it helps the body to absorb the fluid a little bit faster so just go for really you know what works yeah. for you and you know what you fancy most of all and, how much money you want to spend on yeah, it yeah. as well. Yeah, that
0: can be the expensive part of, uh, of training. Yeah. I guess the key uh, bit also is, you know, after your long runs on the build-up to to race days to try some of those things and, and yeah, see what works better.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that really is so, so, so key is to have a good fueling plan that you've tried and tested during those last few training, those long runs beforehand Um, So you try to simulate race conditions and that way you won't have any big surprises on the day. But having said all that, actually, that you might have a perfect plan and you think that you know what you're doing, but actually on the day, conditions, everything can change. And so you need to be really flexible. It might be hotter, it might be colder than you anticipate. You might be sweating more or sweating less and therefore your fluid plan, your drinking plan might need to change or you might just find that you know once you're running at your true marathon pace not a training pace you might find that your body is just sort of rejecting the carbs and Mm -hmm. I've had that or some people find actually really I tell a really really common thing is that people they're they're going for the first 10k or even the first 10 miles and they feel great they feel brilliant because they're on a high and they've got the crowds Mm -hmm. got people around them and they just don't feel particularly like eating. They think, no, I feel fine. I, I can save my Giles gels and things. Travel, yeah. And so what, what's happening actually is that you know they're, they're rapidly depleting their glycogen stores. Yeah. And then you'll suddenly get to, say, 15 miles, 18 miles. And then you'll hit that wall and you weren't expecting to. And then you'll try and put the carbs back in. And then you might feel unwell. They might not agree with yeah. you. So whilst you need to have a plan, you also need to be adaptable, and you also need to be aware that you know the circumstances of the race might mean that uh, you don't even follow your plan, and yeah, so you very need to different. yeah
0: <laughs> well, you know, I can relate to that um, very well. I think my first marathon um, it was I say suddenly it was kind of a few days before a heat wave came through, um, and I think my last couple of miles took forever, um, but I cramped yeah. up incredibly and everything yeah. that I had planned went out the window yeah, and it was probably too late to sort of fix it at that yes. point yeah. so it was really just almost crawling through the last part of that yeah. in a way
1: that wasn't at the London Marathon about Years ago, no but it,
0: it was uh, it was across the south downs um and oh, it was yeah. i think it was about a month after the marathon because there was one marathon that was particularly
1: hot yeah it took everyone by surprise it yeah. took the race organizers by surprise there wasn't enough water on the roads. yeah so.
0: it's really so like you said i think it's it's kind of planned for the i guess i mean yeah best cases it was sunny worst case it was hot <laughs> yeah so it's planned yeah. for that so that you know in your if you're yeah, especially if you're staying thing. away from home i guess have those extra things in your bag just in case i mean we live in england the weather changes every day yeah you just you
1: know (laughs) everything's unpredictable yeah exactly (laughs) yeah
0: well anita um you also have some amazing recipe books and things like that if if you want people to find out more about you what you're up to or to find your books and things where's the best place yeah
1: okay well i'm i'm on social media on instagram and twitter um i've got a website which is anita bean dot UK. And I have got a number of books out. So The Complete Guide to Sports Nutrition, the latest edition came out two months ago. Um, and that's got pretty much everything that you need to know about fueling your running, about recovery, about avoiding gut problems. Everything is in there. But I've also got a number of cookbooks um, for runners. I've got the runner's cookbook. I've yeah. got the vegan athlete's cookbook. And so you can get those wherever you would normally buy your books from
0: yeah amazing well anita thank you so much for your time you're today.
1: very welcome thank you for having me
0: thank you. thank you for listening we hoped you enjoyed another inspiring episode on the outside and active podcast if you liked what you heard please do head over to your favorite podcast player rate us five stars and tell us why you like the episode so much thank you also to our amazing partners at dryrobe the original outdoor change robe company find out more about their entire range of dryrobes at dryrobe.com until next time enjoy the outside